0: John sixteen, twenty nine through thirty three. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and are not using figurative speech. Now we know that you now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Have you ever had the feeling something is missing? Not your phone or your car keys, something more significant. If the past year has caused you to feel lonely, powerless, or without a plan or purpose, there is hope. The answer is right in front of you, but you may need to change your perspective or shuffle your priorities to see it. Scripture tells us what life is all about and what might be missing in ours. It is good to be together, whether you're watching online or you're here. I know that there's activities out at OC this weekend, and so maybe that brought you this way. We are pleased to have you, and it's so good to always have our college students around. What a a influx of energy and enthusiasm they bring. We are just so thankful that we get to be a part of, of maybe a short time in their life, or who knows, maybe it's just the seeds of a long time in their lives if some of them choose to stay here. And so we are just so thankful for our campus ministry and for every young adult, uh, no matter where they're in school or if they're not in school, but they're here with us. We are thankful for our young people and certainly our youth as well. If you have a Bible, you might open it up to John chapter 16. Sometimes it helps to have the text in front of you. We're going to have a few verses on the screen, but sometimes it's nice to to have that in front of you so that you can see how it all fits together. So we're going to spend some time in John 16 this morning in just a few moments. You know, sometimes profound wisdom comes from some of the most unexpected places. A few weeks ago, Joanne Lowry gave her third grade class at OCA A persuasive writing assignment make an appeal use your words make an appeal and try to convince people of something that is important to you and so one of her students a nine-year-old student wrote this imagine you open the Bible one day and think about all the miracles God gave us but right now there are still people who worship false gods that's why I strongly believe that everyone should read the Bible for at least an hour a day Please read the reasons below. To start, people will start believing more in God, so we will have no more wars. We will all be friendly to one another. My next reason is that the Bible is full of entertaining stories. Kids would never get bored. They would read and read about everything in it. My final reason is that the Bible is important. God made it for us to learn more and more and more about Him. It's a very big part of our lives. In conclusion, I tell you, the internal structure of this assignment should have gotten an A+. In conclusion, you can clearly see that reading the Bible is not only entertaining, but important. Buy a Bible now. (laughs) Or download one on your phone, I guess, right? I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that Many of our issues, many of our struggles would go away or at least be more manageable if we were in the Word more and the Word was in us more. I think the student is right. The answers to our problems, the answers to our questions, the answer to what life is about is found in God's Word, found in the Bible. Now, I'm not sure that what the students said about no more wars and everyone being friendly to each other is realistic, but it is a wonderful goal, isn't it? That is something we we should work towards. In fact, people of the word should be people of peace. If I have a high view of scripture, I must have a high view of what it means to be a person of peace, when you open your Bible, you see that peace is a constant theme throughout Scripture. In fact, just the word peace is used something like 250 times in Scripture. Peace is important to God. I would say peace is important to most of us. You want peace in your household, right, in your family. You want peace at your job, at your work. You want peace in your church family. Peace is important to most of us. And yet, for some reason, peace can be so important elusive like it just falls through your fingers right when you think you have it right when you found the the secret to having this peaceful life suddenly it's gone as we continue to think about taking a spiritual inventory of our lives individually and collectively in this series called something's missing let me ask you is it possible that in your life you're missing the peace of God We probably need to describe exactly what we're talking about here because in the Bible there are at least two different forces at work two different I guess you could say types of peace there is the peace that we promote and there is the peace that we possess it's this peace that we pursue and hopefully one day to possess so in his Beatitudes to the Sermon on the Mount Jesus said blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God, Matthew 5, verse 9. Paul wrote something similar, encouraging us to live at peace with everyone, in Romans twelve, eighteen. also 1 Thessalonians five, thirteen. And later, he would write that we should make every effort to be at peace with one another, to do what leads to peace, and mutual edification, Romans 14, verse 19. And so... That's just a sampling. There are several examples throughout the New Testament of this directive from God, from his inspired word, that we become peacemakers, that we promote peace, that we don't live our lives in a way that stirs up dissension or conflict or contributes to divisiveness, but that we go out of our way to promote peace. So that's, that's sort of one of the forces of peace. And that's what we, as people of God, should work toward. But there's another force, isn't there? There's the peace that we want to possess. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is shalom. It is this feeling, this understanding, this acknowledgement that everything's going to be okay. No matter what's happening around us, no matter what's happening in the world, no matter our circumstances, we have this feeling, this, this knowledge this affirmation in our gut, in our heart, that God's in control and that everything's going to be okay. We want that peace, don't we? That sounds appealing. It sounds like something that we would like to have, the calm within the storm, the sigh of relief, even when it feels like everything is coming from all angles at you. And so where do you find this kind of peace? Where do you find this inner peace, this inner calmness, this feeling and knowledge that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay? Where do you find this? Now, the world has lots of answers to that question. The world has a lot of ideas about where you find peace. And in the world's response to this question it usually is something that is socially constructed, or self-producing. So in other words, if you want peace, then remove yourself from these circumstances and put yourself in a more peaceful environment. But if you can't do that, then take your mind to a different place. Use meditation, use yoga, use... And those things are great. But all of those things, and anything that the world might offer, those are just temporary peace patches that wear off after a while because you can't live in this peaceful environment and your mind can't stay in this peaceful place you have to engage the world so where do you find peace well as the OCA student said maybe we should buy a Bible and see what it says what does scripture say about this well in this text for today Jesus makes an offer. Really, he gives a validation of something that he is providing them, and that is peace. He's preparing them for what's about to happen, and it's going to be chaotic. But he says, even amid the chaos, you can have peace. And so in the second part of what we call his farewell discourse because basically he's saying farewell to his disciples he knows that he has a divine appointment at calvary that he is going to the cross to give his life to rescue the world he knows that's happening and so that means he's going to be away from them he wants to prepare them his disciples because they have a bit of a different agenda and so in preparing them for what's about to happen all chaos is about to break loose but don't don't worry You can have peace even in that chaotic world. So in our text, John 16, starting in verse 16, Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me? And what does he mean by, Because I'm going to the Father? They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Let me stop there for a moment. Clearly, his disciples are confused. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be away, but then I'm going to be back, and I'm going to be with the Father, and they're scratching their heads thinking we have no clue what he's saying. Now, again, Jesus knows, and we know what Jesus knows, and that is that he's referring to his death. He will be away from them, and his resurrection. He will come back to them. But they don't get that. So he's trying to explain this to them. And I think maybe one of the problems that they're having in understanding this or maybe accepting this is they know if Jesus is going away, how does that leave them? All alone. Well, Jesus, if you're you're not with us, we're on our own, and that's not something that we are interested in doing. You can see the anxiety level begin to rise. Jesus explains You will weep. It's going to be difficult. You will mourn. In fact, he says specifically, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Have you ever experienced that? You are weeping and mourning while the world rejoices. If you've ever lost someone close to you, you know how that thrust you into this dark place of grief. And sometimes you look around you And the people around you are just going on with their lives. They're going to work, they're laughing, they're joking, they're talking about things that don't matter, like movies and sports. And you think, how can you just go on with your life? I'm in incredible pain here. And that's difficult. But imagine those people celebrating, not just going on with their lives, but celebrating because of the very thing that is causing you pain. That's a different level. That's what Jesus says is going to happen. You see, for the enemies of Jesus, the cross of Christ would be the centerpiece of their celebration. When they saw Jesus hanging on that cross, they declared victory. But for those close to Jesus, for his disciples, that cross would be an albatross of anguish and sorrow but then we see this plot twist the story really gets interesting back in the text verse 20 remember he said you will weep you will mourn while the world rejoices he goes on in verse 20 you will grieve but your grief will turn to joy you will grieve. Life will be tough. You will be confused. I will be gone. You won't know what to do, but hang on, because your grief will turn to joy. Isn't that the story of redemption that we all have in Christ? I mean, that's it. We grieve. Jesus, in those same Beatitudes, said, blessed are those who do what? Who mourn. And I think specifically what he's talking about there is those who mourn over their own sinfulness. Those who mourn over the fallenness, the brokenness of our world. Those who see all injustice and sin and struggle and it just breaks their heart. Jesus said, you are blessed. There is so much in this world for which to grieve. There is so many sources of sorrow in this world. Jesus says you will grieve but your grief will turn to joy and then he goes on to give an example or an illustration he says it's like a mother who gives birth to a child there is pain involved right I remember I almost pulled my back out trying to get that car seat just right in the car there's pain involved I'm kidding he's talking to the ladies right You ladies know there is pain involved in childbirth, but what happens? All of that pain is sort of washed away in the joy of holding that new baby, that child. This is Jesus' example, not mine. He says that's what it's going to be like. And then he says in verse 22, I don't think it's on the screen, but he says, this joy that you will have, I love this, he says, no one can take it away. No one can take it away. No matter what happens, no matter who comes at you, no matter who attacks you or hurts you or says something wrong about you or injustice that you have, no one can take away the joy that is found in Jesus. He wants them to know that. He wants us to know that. However, we need to acknowledge that before the glorious morning there is the darkness of night. Before that baby is born there is the pain of childbirth before joy there is sometimes sorrow so Jesus is very clear with them verse 32 a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home you will leave me all alone yet I am not alone for my father is with me Jesus says to his disciples a tidal wave is coming and is going to sweep you off of your feet and in your desperation because I won't be here anymore you are going to run you are going to scatter like sheep without a shepherd because your shepherd has been taken you will leave in despair but he says I won't be alone because my father will be with me, and by the way, you won't be alone, because I will return. And then he says, this incredible verse, sort of our high point, our main point of this message, Jesus' words in John 16:33. He says, "I have told you these things, so that in me you might have what? Peace. So that in me you might have peace." In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Cheer up is what that means. Take courage. I have overcome the world. There's so much in that one short little verse. He says, you will have trouble. Just acknowledge that this world will throw everything it can at you but cheer up that does not sound like cheerful news does it we'll keep reading cheer up take courage because I Jesus says have overcome the world you see peace often comes with perspective and so Jesus is providing a framework for thinking a perspective for them to see what is happening what is about to happen in their world what happens often in our world and that is struggle pain difficulty And he wants to have a framework, wants them to have this framework. Because he knows what we all know, and that is this world can be a tough place. This world can be difficult. My guess, no, it's not my guess. My knowledge says, as I look out among this group and I consider those online, I know that each of you are facing different challenges. You have different things going on in your life right now. Some of those things no one else even knows. Many of those things most of us don't know. Health challenges, family challenges, financial challenges, mental health challenges. All kinds of things going on. This world can be a tough place. In the very next chapter in John's Gospel, John chapter 17, we have what is sometimes called jesus's priestly prayer right before he goes to the cross he prays for his disciples he prays for everyone who would believe in him he prays for you he prays for me and in that prayer the word world is mentioned something like 17 times our world needs a lot of prayer doesn't it but jesus doesn't pray what we might pray god change the world god change my world God, get me out of this situation. No, Jesus doesn't ask his heavenly father to extract us from the world. In fact, he says, I am sending them into the world. And this is what he says in verse 15 of John 17. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. We need to get our hearts and minds around that Scripture, because so many times our prayers reflect a different perspective. God, take me out of this situation. God, take me out of this struggle. And maybe what we should be praying, although it's difficult, is God, I don't want to be in this situation. I would prefer you to take me out of this situation, but more than that, protect me from the evil one if I remain in this situation. Protect me from the evil one. That's Jesus' prayer. The truth is, while we are here, we must live in this world. But the good news is, Jesus has overcome this world. That's what he told him. I have overcome this world world and if we are with him we too are overcomers of this world you see the peace that Jesus is offering here is not just a concession that says yeah this world stinks this world is fallen and broken and there's nothing I can do about it the peace that Jesus offers here is a victory chant we are with the one who has overcome the world nothing the world throws at us can defeat us If we are with Jesus, the one who has overcome the world, there is victory in Jesus. You see, there is a difference between living in the conflict and chaos of this world and giving in to the conflict and chaos of this world. You see what I'm saying there? We have to live in this world if we're here, it's an opportunity. It's a blessing to live in this world. And yes, this world can be difficult. We just acknowledge that. There's a difference between living in it and giving into it. Letting it take the joy and the peace and the power of God from you. Letting it drain you of your purpose in Christ. Letting it fill you with anxiety and worry and everything that works against faith. If I were to ask you to close your eyes and think about peace what would you envision a speaker did that one time and he said close your eyes envision peace and then he asked them, okay what what mental picture came to mind I see many of you are still having your eyes closed (laughs) like for 20 minutes now I've seen that you've had your eyes closed thinking a lot about peace aren't you that's okay that's good But he asked them, okay, what's the mental picture that you have of peace? And you could guess. You know, some people said, I imagine this beautiful, calm, still lake with trees around it, maybe mountains in the background. Someone else said, I imagine this beautiful mountain scene, this landscape, snow-capped peaks, so peaceful. Someone else said, just a meadow, a field with flowers and butterflies and, and, and trees and lots of colors. And the observation was made that in everyone's picture of peace, there were no people. (laughs) I mean, think about that. (laughs) Often our picture of peace begins to take shape when we remove all the annoying people (laughs) around us. I'm reminded of this Peanuts comic strip. Sally goes to Charlie Brown. She says, I hate everything. I hate everyone. I, hope I hate the, the whole wide world. And Charlie Brown says, Well, I thought you had inner peace. She says, I do have inner peace, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. <laughs> I think that's how some of us feel. Often our circumstances don't produce or promote peace, just the opposite. People can be difficult. Circumstances can be challenging. So much in our world develops outer obnoxiousness for us. We don't always get to find peace by being removed from those people or removed from those situations that work against peace. We find peace by sticking with Jesus, the one who has overcome the world. So John, who, inspired by God, wrote that gospel, also wrote some letters toward the end of your New Testament. And this is what he said in 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. For everyone born of God does what? overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. <clears throat> who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus told his disciples, I have overcome the world. Take courage, take heart, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And later, Scripture tells us, not only does Jesus overcome the world, but we, when we are with Jesus, when our faith is in Jesus, we become overcomers of the world. Someone has said, you are either overcome or you are an overcomer. You either allow the world and people and challenges to get the best of you, Or you, through the power of Jesus, overcome them. So which are you? Do you give in to the negative people and negative circumstances around you? Do you allow them to rob you of your joy and peace and purpose in Christ? You see, when we embrace the one who overcame the world, we share in that victory. That's what this is about, the victory we have in Jesus. And we receive that peace. And that peace is not only a blessing to us, but it is poured through us to the world around us. You see, before, remember we said there is the peace that we promote and the peace that we possess? The truth is they are connected. When I am a person with peace, I I become a person of peace. I promote peace. I share that victory. We call it the gospel, the good news. Jesus is victorious. And so if you're missing peace in your life, maybe you're looking in the wrong place. Peace is found in Jesus. Back at the beginning of his farewell discourse, in John 14, Jesus again talks about peace. This is what he says in verse 27. Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. That's important. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And just when you think, okay, Jesus makes this offer of peace for his immediate disciples, those who walked with him. I want you to listen to Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, Kindle keeps track of the different parts of the millions of books that people read in their app and highlight. You know, you can go in that app and you can highlight certain passages. Well, when it comes to the Bible, Can you guess what the most highlighted verse is? Many of us would probably guess, well, it's probably John 3, 16. Maybe Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ. Maybe it's Psalm 23. No, it's this passage right here. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which surpasses, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, people are looking and longing for genuine peace. And God says, I have it for you. It can be yours. I'm making it available. Last week, we saw from Scripture that God offers power that can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And here, what is the offer? It is the offer of peace that transcends or surpasses our understanding, a peace that we can't even begin to get our minds around. It is so wonderful, so great. And yet, so many of us go through life trying to produce these things on our own, this power, this peace. Peace is not produced by us. It is provided by God. It is a gift of God. So stop looking to the world. Stop looking inside yourself. You won't find it. You might find some temporary version of peace, but you won't find lasting, genuine peace. Peace only comes in the one who has overcome, the one who has declared victory over the world. Yes, we have daily battles in this world. But we need to know that the war has been won by the Prince of Peace. I recently reconnected with a friend that I first got to know about 25 years ago. He and I were both youth ministers in this area. We became friends and spent some time together, worked out together, and had conversations together. And I always admired his his deep-thinking I admired his compassion. I admire, admired his ability just to be incredibly honest. His name is Todd. Recently, Todd was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so I, I tried to reach out to him. It had been a long time. We sort of fell out of touch. You know how that happens. And so I reached out to him. And in our conversations and in uh, the blog posts that he continues to post as he goes through different kinds of treatment, he has reminded me of some really important lessons, some really important things. One is that life and death situations seem to put our faith on the hot seat. You see, those situations tell us if we have an authentic faith or not. We have to decide, do we really believe all of this is real? And are we going to put everything we have into that truth he's also reminded me that we should live every moment to its fullest and not take any for granted and finally he's reminded me that even when life gets difficult no matter how difficult there is still peace to be found I want to read a couple of excerpts from his blog post here's one he said I have a brain tumor that is going to end my life The norm is 6 to 18 months. I don't like that. Don't want that. And also know it is how life often goes. Not for a second does it make me question God's love for me. The days I struggle and they happen, I lean into God. He absolutely helps me get through these tough moments and days. He also reminds me every day people need to know they are loved and that their lives matter. Here's another excerpt. Today I feel rotten, and I don't like that I have a terminal brain tumor. I can and will be honest about that. Today I am also reminded God loves me. There are some things in this life I simply don't completely understand. It's okay. It is actually in these challenging moments and times in our lives that we can trust in the Lord. When I am struggling, I find some comfort in this reality. Last week Todd had brain surgery, and so far, the news is very encouraging and very hopeful. And while he's recovering, his oldest son decided to go on to his father's blog and write a couple of posts. And his latest post, he ended it the way his father always ends his posts, with these words, You are valuable, you are loved, you matter. And then he ends with one word. You know what word he ends with? Peace. And in the comments of that blog by Todd's oldest son, one of Todd's friends wrote something. This is what he wrote. There are a lot of things I've always loved and respected about your dad, but what jumped out at me was the closing you used, peace. From the time we met as kids, I remember your dad saying this a lot. Every closing text, every email, the last word out the door, always the same sign out peace. As I've read this blog and listened to the podcast, I've been really encouraged to see that that word has really stuck. And not only that, that he has doubled down on it. Todd, thanks for always sending that peace out to me. It is a blessing for me to see you live it out still, even in the dark, praying for you, Kyle. You see, the peace of God transcends logic. It transcends our understanding. And even in the darkest of days, peace can be yours. The peace that is in your heart, that resides in your deepest gut, that says, whatever happens, God is in control, and he's got this. He's got it. If you're with the one who has overcome the world, you too are an overcomer. And you can have this genuine, lasting, peace he makes it available it can be yours let me encourage you to not leave this message in this room but somehow take it with you one of the best ways to do that is to talk about it and talk about these passages with other people maybe people in your family maybe friends neighbors we have started providing these sermon discussion resources i hope that you would take advantage of these There's a short little conversation starter video on our YouTube page, YouTube channel. And also there is a PDF discussion guide just with some questions that may help you in some discussion. Don't leave it in this room. If you're intrigued with this idea of peace, especially if you're struggling to find peace, open up the word of God with trusted individuals and allow God to speak into your life. Allow him to give you Peace. If that sounds like something that we can help you with, please let us do that. If you're online, you can go to our website, reach out to us on the prayer page. If you're here, please make it known to us. Maybe you're ready today to give your life to Christ. He is the source of peace. Apart from Him, there is no peace. So maybe you're ready to surrender your life to Him, confessing your belief in Jesus being baptized into Christ, repenting, turning away from a life apart from Christ. If that's the case, we would love to celebrate with you today. If there's something we can do, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.